All right. Well, thank you for uh, coming on a Labor Day Sunday. Um, this passage is certainly uh, worth considering and thinking about. So grateful for um, just y'all's faithfulness. We were talking about just that a little bit earlier of how uh, thankful we are for y'all and just your willingness to uh, camp in these passages with us. Um, and they are amazing. No doubt about that. Would you... Um, Grant, read for us, maybe starting, let's go back to 15. Maybe let's go back to 15 and uh, and read all the way to, um, probably just going to mainly tackle two verses this week, 26 and 27, but if we could go from 15 to 27 and, uh, and, and try to make that connection all the way from 15 to 27 and, the, and, and then go to work. Okay. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this we were, in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Good deal, Josh. You pray for us? Sure. Father, thank you for giving us another week to study your word. Thank you for the truths found in these two verses that the Spirit intercedes for us perfectly and fixes our prayers and prays for us when we don't know what to pray. Lord, I pray that these truths would begin to sink down into our hearts uh, as a result of our study, and I pray that you would be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You see the words, likewise, there starts us in verse 26, and so it's pointing us back toward something. Scott, you said the commentators a little bit all over the place on what it might be pointing back toward. Where do you lean? What do you think? Oh, I think this Grant right here is going to make that connection. <laughs> Grant is the one that's going to make that, but he really wants to hear you first on that, if I know Grant on that. Is that accurate, Grant? Uh, I can, either way. Yeah, either way. yeah, yeah okay. I'd love Great. to hear you, but, uh, That one was a little confusing for me at first because uh, some of the commentators say that points all the way back to 15 with the um, work of the Spirit crying out in our hearts. Uh, some... Said so it point back to 18 through uh, 25 as a whole, but I think I finally settled on what Murray, Andrew Murray says, that it's referring strictly back to the preceding two verses, verses 24 and 25, with the source of our hope, for in this hope we were saved. 
Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So that's the culmination of what that section of verses 18 through 25 was talking about with present sufferings in light of future glory, so that we have hope knowing that there's going to be a redemption of our body, we're going to be united with Christ, there's going to be a new heavens and new earth. We have that hope now even though there's present sufferings. And so I think the likewise or in like manner is pointing back to that in a similar way. And this is what Murray had to say about that. In like manner points to the preceding verses um, about the hope of future glory to be revealed. This sustains the people of God in sufferings and in groaning. The Holy Spirit in like manner also helps in our infirmity and weakness. The accent falls in the preceding verses on the suffering and support afforded in these sufferings. Uh, verse 26, the accent falls upon our infirmity, or our weaknesses, and the help that is given for that weakness by the Holy Spirit. Uh, as hope sustains us in suffering, the Holy Spirit sustains us or helps us in our weaknesses. So I think that's probably what the likewise is getting at. Yeah. Good, Joshua. Yeah, I think I came to the same conclusion as Grant that this uh, theme of hope is what's connecting these verses. So in, in the verses we'll look at today, it's about the Holy Spirit helping us, interceding for us according to the will of God. And then the verses we looked at last week was about hope, and it sort of ended on that um, theme or that note. And I think the likewise that Paul says there in verse 26 is connecting this idea of hope. We have hope because the Spirit helps us in our prayers. And I think we see Paul's logic at work again mm-hmm. as a master teacher and um, really helping underscore why we have hope in the Christian life. And, um, you know, even today, this ministry of the Holy Spirit interceding for us, there is great hope. And, um, you know, even in the verse we looked at last week, there was hope in the redemption of our bodies, the glory to be revealed, the revealing of the sons of God. All of these things help sustain us in the Christian life. And I think Paul is saying, likewise, uh, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. There is great reason for for hope. <clears throat> I, and I almost think that this is going to continue to go through, I, I think, through the rest of the chapter. I love when you pointed out, Josh, Paul's logic again. This is so logical. If you are one that kind of functions in a logical sort of manner, then I just think Romans 8 is as good as it gets for I like thinking like that. I like thinking, okay, well, what happens because of this? And you see all the, the verses that start with four here. He's just building an incredible argument. Scott? Yeah, no, I, I agree with, with these guys. That's kind of, I mean, I'd have to study it more to know for sure, but I, I agree with what they're saying. One, one guy just said, the hope of glory helps you cope now, helps you bear up under your present suffering. Now he says, I've got a word of encouragement to you as you deal with, with your weakness. So yeah. I, I do think that that's kind of connection. But that's, Grant thinks logically, so it's, I'm so glad he's on the panel. Uh, me too. Yeah, that's exactly right. But Grant, don't you think, don't you love the way, he, I, I remember when Caitlin came, it's Caitlin, um, when she came and, and shared it at class, um, Caitlin Wood, and, and her presentation in class, which was basically her testimony, was so logical. Just this followed, this followed, this followed, this. And the students, even the little guys, even my seventh and eighth graders were like, that's just way easy. to. That's just amazing how easy it is to follow her train of thought. And so can you comment on just what you've seen in Romans in the first eight chapters Mm -hmm. in that being... Because 
it is it's it's incredible i mean i know it's um inspired by the lord and you see that but the way paul thought really helps us in that don't you think yeah i think so i don't know that i have specific examples to go maybe back to but i, I do think the progression of logic for paul is very clear in romans i think maybe at the beginning he just introduces a lot of topics especially yeah. with the theme of the verses uh, of the probably the whole book in 16 and 17 uh, and then he expands on that in chapter 3, and he, and he explains how that relates to the um, people of uh, uh, the Is Israelites. Uh, he introduces the gospel in chapter 3, um, righteousness of God transferred to us through Christ. And then he sort of explains how that works in chapter 5 with God's people, the Israelites. And then he just continues to go from there. What does that mean now that we have been united to Christ in 5? What did that look like before? And then in chapter 6 with what does that look like now that we have the Spirit? in terms of how we relate to our sin, and he's just going forward, forward, forward. It's been pretty interesting to see. Yeah, Oh, and I, and I hope that you see just the, how fascinating that is and proof that the Lord is the one truly truly writing this, you know, just in, in the logic of how, how it works. And certainly coming up, and I don't want to spend a lot of time because the next two weeks are going to be really exciting here, but this 26 and 27 just logically makes sense. Um as you go forward, because certainly as the Holy Spirit prays for us, just going a little bit big picture here for the, the these seven verses. These are my seven con favorite consecutive verses in Scripture. If I had to pick any seven in a row, it's got to be these for just, and like what you guys have said, for the hope, for the hope of how we live today and how we're going to live tomorrow. And we've got to come back to these seven, I think. Um, I had a student this week who were studying uh, Matthew 6, 25 through 34 and and she said i need to read these before i go to bed and i need to read these when i get up on anxiety and i thought that's i i'm the same way with this passage i need to think about these all day long every day because 26 and 27 the holy spirit is always interceding for us right so that means that god always answers yes in the affirmative to the prayer of the holy spirit Okay, so when we get to 28, that all things really do work together for good to those who love God. No wonder, right? Doesn't that just follow then? God will always answer yes in giving us exactly what we need every day. Good, not meaning comfortable and fun. Good meaning sanctifying. What will most make us like Christ will surely happen after that. And then you get into the golden chain of 29 and 30. All things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. Well, who's called? Those who are foreknown. Those who are predestined. Those who are called are then justified and glorified. God doesn't lose anybody along the way. I think this is just a great seven verses for security. Who of us doesn't need some security these days, right? And then God just gives us this because he's not going to lose anybody. From those he foreknown before the beginning of time were predestined, were called, those who are called are justified. Okay? A hundred percent success rate, the exact same number of people in, that were foreknown at the end will be glorified. Past tense. I love that in 30. This word's past tense glorifies it. It's a done deal. You are as good as in Ephesians says you're in the heavenlies. You're already there. Um, because of the surety of it. We're not there physically yet, but we're as good as there if you know Christ. No sin, 
will waylay us. He who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And how about this? The Holy Spirit's interceding for us. We might have touched on this one time. The Holy Spirit's interceding for us in verse 26, right? And 27. Look at 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So God the Father is for us, right? It doesn't say interceding because the Jesus and the, and the Holy Spirit are interceding to God. Remember, Jesus says uh, that he, no one, the no snatching rule. Remember from John 10, no one can snatch us out of uh, his hand. Why? Because God holds us in his loving right hand and he's not going to let us go. God's for us in verse 31, right? And certainly then if you go to 30, what, maybe 4, 5, 34, who is to condemn, right? Who can possibly condemn us? It's not going to be Jesus, right? Because Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who is raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Now, is that not just phenomenal? The Holy Spirit's interceding for us continually. So is Jesus. God's always for us. All of the Trinity, if, you, if we were making this about us, which it certainly isn't, all of the Trinity is on your side, right? Continually. So then think about this. What, and, and not to get way late, we got to come back to the passage, but big picture here. What kind of sins for the next three weeks if we hold on to these seven verses? Because the last one is, he sent the Lord Jesus. He who did not spare his own son. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? There's proof already that he's going to take care of everything else. Why? Because he took care of the way more improbable thing by sacrificing his son. And the way harder thing by sacrificing his son. Right? He's already done the most difficult thing. He's already done the most improbable thing. So for him to take care of our finances, for him to take care of our family, for him to take care of whatever our job situation, for him to take care of adoption, for him to take care of whatever it is, that's just way small compared to what he's already done already. Again, the logic of these is neat. Let me just ask you, what if you're saying what sin? Um, different kinds of varieties of sins should just go out the window because of these seven verses. You guys, to anybody. What should we never struggle with again if we really believed, meditated on this, thought about this? They're ones that I do daily. Probably some of them are in your um, respectable sin book. What do you think? How would we grow? In which areas? Good. We would certainly have more faith. Yep. Doubt. There wouldn't be as much doubt, right? Because again, it's the proof. Where do you Where do you go after you read this? You say, "Yeah, that's got to be." It's got to be like that. Why do we, Josh and I were talking about this a little bit earlier this week. Why do we believe this? We believe it because it's true. That's why we believe it. And since it's true, let's enjoy it. Right? That's what I'm so convicted of. Why do I not enjoy what's truly true? And why do I let 
What's not true continually drag me under spiritually, you know, under by doubting things. What else? What would we not do? Mallory, you look like really, you were really close to saying something. <laughs> were you? Be, be anxious. That'd be too. Yeah. And who of us doesn't struggle there to some degree, I think. Yeah, anxiety would be right out the window, right? Fear? Any sort of fear, anxiety, worry, uh, doubt, Jesse? I had a few consecutive semesters of extreme anxiety issues, but uh, in April 2020, I started taking an anxiolytic called Buspirone, and that ended the extreme anxiety. I still worry about some things, but who doesn't? Anyway, the two things, the extreme anxiety issues and relying on a medication to get rid of the extreme anxiety. Do you view either of those as red flags? I think this, I think one thing that we can say for sure is that to whatever degree our anxiety is sin, and that's probably way past my pay grade, we can go to this passage to say anytime anxiety is a spiritual issue, this right here is the antidote. And that is what, and Josh would have a better idea on that. Love to hear your thoughts there, Josh. But we can camp on this because I just think it's, to me, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. My eighth graders are almost to a student, 27 of them, say anxiety is a huge problem in their life. And they're 13. They don't even have a, you know, what do they have to be anxious about? But they they have, they're, they're finding ways. Josh, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I there's a lot that could be said. I think maybe the first thing would be, obviously we know anxiety medication can't deal with the heart issues, yeah. the spiritual issues, but it, it might be useful to help with the physiological type things. But we want to, you know, really zero in on what's prompting or causing the anxiety and deal with it spiritually or biblically as best we can. Yeah, and that's what we know God's Word does. It does the surgery to take care of the spiritual issues. And I think every one of us, if we were honest, would say, how many times have I gone my own way? You know, in our ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct our paths. Do not lean on your own understanding. And I think that's my biggest problem is I just go independent. And when I do, I get anxious doesn't work. So, Scott, likewise here, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Wait, take, tackle us, tackle that first one for us. The weakness that the Holy Spirit is helping us with. And it was, again, fun to read the commentators. Yeah, I mean, I think as we're thinking about prayer, uh, one, one thing you could say is none of us is content with our prayer lives. I know I've, I've said that before, and it's easy to feel like defeated I think Ferguson just said you could take a stick out and everybody's already bent over. As soon as you say prayer, everybody's already bent over. You can just knock everybody down, you know, further because you want to humble somebody, ask them about their prayer life. So it could be very tempting just to feel crushed by this. But, and even in here, we're talking about, we don't even know what to pray for. Like, so we're already weak with prayer and here it's even extra. Weak. We don't even know what to pray for. So we could feel like, oh, I'm not going to pray then. We, we could be tempted to prayerlessness is what one guy said. 
I think it's the exact opposite is true of this passage. This passage should make us want to pray. This passage should encourage us to pray, even when we don't know what to pray for. This is an incredible promise that the Spirit is going to intercede for us. Uh, it's, it's amazing, but it helps us in our weakness. So again, Ferguson said interse- intercession by itself is weakness. We're, we're saying, Lord, I can't do this. Like, Lord, I need help. I, help me to be more humble. Help me to be more gracious. I want to be more kind. We're saying, like, I can't do this. So already intercession is weakness. But he said, Ferguson said, uh, this is the weakness of intercession profoundly weakened when we don't even know what to pray for as we ought. And there's just so many situations like this where we just don't know. I mean, praise God that the Bible has clear prayers that we can follow, we can pray, like, yeah, God be glorified in my life, help my light to shine, or Psalm 1, let me to love the word, like all kinds of prayers. Ephesians 3, we can go to, Romans 12. But here I thought about Grant, like had this, these two jobs. 50, he was 50-50 on both sides. Well, what does Grant pray? Like, which one does he go? You, like, you don't know which side, right? I said adoption. Do we adopt or do we try for a biological child? I mean, that's a real case. Like, what do we pray for? Or someone's in prison. Like, I think John Bunyan's in prison. Do you pray, get him out of prison? Or sustain him in prison? Well, what is he, he begins, at least he began to write Pilgrim's Progress in prison. Think of Paul with the thorn in the flesh. Like, what does he pray? Like, get rid of this thorn. Like, get rid of this thorn. But the thorn was good for him. Like, we just we just don't know what to pray for. As we also, it's like, we, we're weak. We're carrying this burden. That's the idea. I think we're carrying these heavy burdens, experiencing perplexity in prayer. But here the Spirit comes. He helps us. He comes alongside, picks up this, like, you're, you're struggling to pick up some heavy thing. Josh Chronic comes along. He's going to pick up this heavy log with you. He's going to pick this <laughs> yeah. thing up. Now you've got this thing's light now. The Spirit comes and picks up this, this heavy burden, and he, he carries it along. I think that's the idea. We're struggling under this weight. The Spirit comes and he, and he lifts it for us. And when I think about this passage, I, I almost always now think about Al Mohler because he, he talks about this passage. It was about 15 years ago. It was Christmas time. He said he had big plans for Christmas, and then everything sort of came crashing down, and he had pain in his, his abdomen. They had to take him to the hospital. They, they found that his digestive tract was clogged, and they're going to have to go in and have to have surgery. He's going to have to stay in the hospital for at least a week. And for Al Mohler to be in the hospital, he's just oh, like, this yeah. is an eternity for him. And so they went in, and they, they cut him open, and then they had a problem, and they had to do multiple things to try to get in there. And finally, they were able to fix him up. He's recovering, and he said he, he, he awakened. He felt like he'd been sawn in two is what he said, just a severe pain in his stomach. And he said, he's supposed to be healing up. And a few days went by, he said, the pain was actually worse. It intensified. And he said, the pain was in his lungs and not where they had operated. So then they had to give a, get a scan. They found blood clots in his lungs. They found pneumonia in his lungs. And now they got to rush him down to the ICU. And he spent four days, he said, four days he'll never forget in the ICU. I mean, he thought he was going to die. Four days in the ICU. He's got medication. He said, lights all around. He hadn't slept, sleep deprivation, all the noises, all the doctors talking around him. He, says, he said his brain was just so confused, like with everything that was going on. He, just, he said it was foggy. I said, I could not make my mind do what I wanted it to do. In the ICU, I experienced moments when I could not make words work together. I could not link thoughts, could not link thoughts together. I could not even pray as I desperately wanted to pray. Here's a brilliant man, I'm older, and yet he can't even put together a string of sentences to pray. I mean, God's humbling him, certainly, but he can't even pray. He doesn't even, he can't even put the words together. But then he said this, the Lord called me with the memory of Romans 8, 26, and the promise that the Holy Spirit intercedes for believers with groanings too deep for words. I mean, that's just amazing. Here he is, he can't even pray. He can't even link words together in his mind. And yet the Holy Spirit comes alongside in that weak moment, lifts up that burden, intercedes for him in that moment. So even when we can't pray, even when we're in the hospital, we can't put words together. Romans 8, 26 is a go-to promise that should help and encourage us to want to pray. Yeah. And, and that weakness, Scott, would be this, I just, uh, like, kind of from our depravity, right? We just don't know for sure. We just aren't. God's all loving, all knowing, and all powerful, and we're not. Mm-hmm. We're just weak in those. Is that kind of your guys' thought on that, any insights? Yeah, I, I think with the verse, this was really, I thought, interesting, and maybe two people in the room may find this interesting, but one commentator, I think Schreiner, seemed to think this this verse 
sort of had a chiastic structure. So that just means I think the, the second part of the verse helps to further explain the first part. And um, so in 26, he says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I think if that's all we had, it would be maybe a little confusing what exactly he means, but I really think the rest of the verse helps explain what Paul is getting at here. And, and so I think this is our the weakness part. We don't know what to pray for as we ought that Scott just laid out. There's so many situations in life where we don't know the right things to, play, to pray for. We're not omniscient like God. We're not, we don't know the best uh, results. We don't, in, in that way, we don't even know what to pray for. We're sort of left up in the air. Um, and then he goes on and says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And I think that's the specific help that Paul is talking about there. Our weakness, we don't know what to pray for. The Spirit's help is that he does know. And he intercedes perfectly in accordance with the will of the Father. Uh, and I think here's exactly how how Schreiner put it. Paul is not describing in the Spirit's help in a general way, nor does he contemplate weakness as a total phenomenon in the lives of believers. It is weakness in prayer that Paul zeroes in on, and the Spirit's help in prayer is the answer to our weakness. Uh, that was interesting to me with the chiasm and then just the way that that verse sort of breaks down. <clears throat> Grant, any, anything on that? I don't think I can add to that. That's no, very that's, clear. I thought it was pretty that's neat when writer wrote that the Holy Spirit fixes our prayers on the way up. I just thought like that. Is that I don't think I've ever prayed anything but a broken prayer. I don't know. I don't know how to pray exactly. <laughs> I don't even know what to ask for. I sure know what I want. But I don't really know if that's always way. I mean, we know that today we want to be sanctified. We know that that's what God wants to, right? So there's some things that we know, but there's just so often things that we don't. So what a joy to know that you just go to the Lord, right? Just humbly and as, I think, kind of as a child would go to the Lord and then the Holy Spirit is the one that is really interceding for you on that. And I'm with Scott. That really frees us up to pray and not to be concerned that I'm going to say something wrong. Am I going to be asking for the wrong thing? None of that really matters in the end. And and Josh, you touched on something really neat. The Holy Spirit knows what we need to pray for way better than we do. Because he, he dwells in us. He's God. He knows exactly what we need. And that's why we can be guaranteed that tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that, whatever God desires for your life will happen. So what do we get anxious about? We get anxious about when something's going to go wrong. It's impossible. It's impossible that anything will go wrong. It's a hundred percent chance that it's going to go badly in our eyes if that means trials and tough times. That we've seen, I think, in the past year a number of times. Here, there's a hundred percent chance of that, but they won't be wrong. They will be perfect. They'll be perfect because the Holy Spirit is praying for you, interceding for you continually. That that's what's happened. And God always answers in the affirmative to that. And I think what joy, what freedom does that not give us 
and I'm certain this is probably the wrong way to put it, but can't we live like gangbusters for Christ with that being the truth, right? Let's go get them. What's holding us back at this point? What's making us uh, worried or what's making us fearful? Why are we held back by saying, mm, I'm not sure if that's going to really work out or not. It's going to work out together for good. We're going to camp on that next week. That's a guarantee. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's interceding for us and he knows. And, God, and he always prays in accordance to God's will. So number one, he prays um, for and intercedes for our weaknesses. When you think intercession, what? tell us what do you feel like that all includes, or Scott. Well, can I, I just tell one more story here. This yeah, story yeah. Was, was really helpful to me. It even moved me, the story, but the one pastor told, he had three brothers. He was the oldest of three. He was 10 or 11 years old when the story happened. His two younger brothers were playing before bed. I imagine one of them was probably Micah's age, maybe six and eight or something like that. And they were playing. Their parents let them stay up a little later. And then the youngest son, who maybe was six, had a seizure while they're playing. And his face just turned pale white. And the, the middle son thought, oh, he's just joking around. Like, stop kidding around. And then all of a sudden, his lips turned blue and, like, he fell over. And then he yelled for his parents, like, come upstairs. Like, something's happened to to, our, to, to, the, to my brother. So the parents came running upstairs and they see him. They start doing CPR. And this is why it moved me. They're doing CPR and they, they yelled to this pastor who was 10 or 11. They said, call Dr. Wyatt. Tell her to meet Tell her to meet us at the emergency room right now. And so he said he somehow, he's 10 or 11, and somehow he finds the number to Dr. Wyatt. He calls Dr. Wyatt up. I'm sure his adrenaline is just pumping. He gets her on the phone. I think the nurse answered the phone and said, you know, what's the situation? He, he said, my brother needs help. And he said, that's all he could say. My brother needs help. And she kept asking him questions like, what's the situation? My brother needs help. My brother needs help. That's all he could say. My brother needs help. My brother needs help. He said, I didn't know the words. I had no idea, you know, what to say. He said, at just that moment, my father came. He took the phone away and he said, now here's what is happening. And here's what I need. And he said, and then the pastor said, the apostle Paul is saying, when you come to those moments, you don't know what to do. God sends his spirit to your aid. And that just moved me. It's like, we don't know. Like, I need help. I need help. I need help. The spirit comes, takes the phone and says, this is the situation. This is what we need. And, and this is what an encouragement to pray. I, I thought, I've told this story before. I was going back to work one day and there was a girl turning in front of me. She was at the turning lane. And I, I could just see that she was weeping. Like she was weeping uncontrollably in her car right there. I don't know this girl's name. I'll probably never see her again in this life. But I felt like I need to pray for her. But I don't know the situation. I have no idea what's going on. It could be, you know, a death in the family. I have no idea. A breakup. Who knows? She lost her job. No idea. I said, I, I could pray, How, but I have no understanding of the situation. So I prayed some prayer. If she wasn't a Christian, I prayed that, you know, bring her to saving faith through this incident. If she is, you know, comfort her. But it's like how comforting it is in that moment where I don't even know this, this girl's name or the situation. The spirit takes the phone and says, this is the situation. This is what is needed. I mean, again, we should be encouraged to pray in, in light of this. I'm not answering your question, but that, that story was just so helpful to me on this topic. Yeah. No, it's a great. I just, you telling those stories, it, it just takes me back to situations where that has happened for me. And I, like the one with the Al Mohler story is um, taking me back to when Caroline was born. Like, you know, everything went wrong. Like we went to the, to, uh, the, I don't even remember what the next department, like after the delivery, then we went down to like, mother and baby or whatever it's called and everything just started going wrong and then like I'm just standing there with Caroline um, and there's just blood it's just everything's wrong I had no idea what's going on and uh, had no idea what to pray for I remember, remember thinking that like I had no idea what God's will is in this I'm so limited I'm so ignorant I don't know what to do I can't I can't physically help uh, I don't even know how to spiritually help I don't know how to pray for like I like I should I remember later someone 
said to me, oh, man, I, I bet you were in so much prayer uh, during that time. I was thinking, like, oh, really? I didn't know what to say. I had no idea what to say or do. Um, but one pastor said this, be encouraged that in your perplexity and groaning, you are not being watched. You're being understood. God is searching your heart. And the Spirit is communicating, like you said, the prayer. Like, I did pray, but I had no idea what I was really needing to say. I didn't know what God's will was. And I think that's what the the focus is, that the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with the will of God. The perfect will of God that we cannot know, the Spirit would transform those prayers to be pleasing to God. I had no idea what would please God to pray for Haley in this situation, whether he was going to take her, whether it was right for me to be alone with Caroline and for her to be at home with the Lord, or whatever the situation. But I think now, thinking back, what a comfort it would be to know that the Spirit was there with me. I, I wasn't thinking that in the time. But if I had these verses uh, in the back of my mind, I would have been much more comforted just to pray what I can and just to be there. So that, this is really impactful to think about that. Well, it's good. And I hope that that's what happens to us, Grant, is that we do have these right at our... This is a great sword to fight, Sid. And, uh, and don't you think... When I read this, I think not only does he fix the prayers that we pray, but he prays when we're not praying. I guess it's 24-7, right, that the Holy Spirit's interceding for us. He's not only praying for us when we pray and fixing those. And that makes me very thankful because, like you said, Scott, it's hard to pray. And uh, and I was thankful that almost all the commentators just admitted that you know i think of these guys being godly men saying it is it's hard to pray one of them uh said um the spirit um going back to Derek thomas says when uh, prayer is not easy apart from making time for it we often find prayer itself is a struggle our hearts i just thought well he read this is he knows exactly my heart our hearts are cold, our thoughts constantly wonder, and our words descend into incoherent and mumblings. Then silence. The disciples fell asleep in Gethsemane. And I thought, wow, that's those are my four characteristics when I pray. Sometimes my heart's cold. Sometimes I just have, like I mumble around and I don't know what to pray. It's like a severe case of ADD with just all over the place and it's just it's 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 crazy and so god has not let i love the what he said god has not left us to fend for ourselves god's not left us to fend for ourselves ever god is always interceding interceding through to through the holy spirit to god who perfectly answers all of those prayers. And we're not even to Jesus interceding for us yet in verse 34. That's a whole month before we get there. But that's going to be great news when that happens too. So stay tuned for uh, for that. Other things um, from, from 27, especially about God, the Holy Spirit praying in accordance with God's will. I just find that so encouraging. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it, Grant, and we have a chance to talk about it, but you think about the what not so good news it would be if the Spirit interceded for us, not in accordance with God the Father. Like, but that's not the case at all. He is interceding for us in 
perfect harmony in perfect agreement with God the Father. So you have this um, infallible relationship, this perfect relationship between the first and third member of the Trinity who are communicating. And God the Father sees into the human soul and sees the, the, where the ministry of the Holy Spirit takes place. And uh, he responds and listens to uh, the Holy Spirit's prayers on our, on our behalf. And I'm just thankful. And that is good news precisely because it is in accordance with the will of God the Father. <clears throat> good. Scott? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm taking what you talked about. I mean, I remember you talked years ago when you preached on this topic. I remember you talked about how the whole Trinity is for us. I've never forgotten that. You, you, I love how you just you beat that drum. But one guy just said, I know I'm jumping ahead to the Jesus interceding, but how marvelous this all is. We have two intercessors, one in heaven, our Lord Jesus who intercedes for our sins, and one in our hearts, the Holy Spirit himself. How greatly we are loved, he said. Again, this goes back to our adoption. Like, Do we really live like the fact that we are, we are God's children and loved? Uh, but one guy said, the, the efficacy of our prayers is not tied to human eloquence, precision, or the volume of words we use. Believers' prayers are perfected, brought into conformity to God's will by the ministry of the Spirit. And then Shriner said, believers then should take tremendous encouragement that the will of God is being fulfilled in their lives despite their weakness and inability to know what to pray for. God's will is not frustrated because of the weakness of believers. And it even made me think of people who have dementia. So I thought of Elizabeth Elliot who had dementia late in her life. And there's these pastors that I've been watching. One of them, uh, his wife, I think he was married for 47 years. She got dementia. He, he said that she, like she, he doesn't remember her doing a single act that was selfish, like in their whole marriage. I mean, it was extraordinary. But they, like she, she was going down. He had to care for her. Like her mind is basically gone. But even it was moving, like five days before she died, they were doing some devotion together. And he said, like, we need to love the Lord. And she stopped and was like, I love the Lord. Like, she's got dementia. She's, her love for, for Jesus is still there. But I was thinking, he said, he said this. He said, uh, she remained the praying, loving person she had been. And I thought, her prayers, though, no way they were the same as they were before. But in that, the Spirit is interceding when she has dementia, when she probably can't even put thoughts together. Again, it's just over and over. I feel like it's the same big theme of this passage. But it's the theme we need. We need encouragement to pray especially like, like Grant is saying, like what Grant is describing, I mean, some of us in this room are going to face something, like, maybe not to that degree, but a situation where we really don't know what to pray. I mean, with our kids or something could happen, I don't know what to pray. Oh man, we should take great encouragement. I have just taken great encouragement from this passage this week. Yeah, so I mean, camp on 26 and 27. Is yeah, great. please. That I That is so good, Scott. How much God loves us. Isn't that seen through this? You know, let's not doubt his love. And if we ever do doubt his love, then do sneak ahead to verse 32. He already sent his son. He already sent his son. That is the most he could love. And then, but because he's done that, he is doing all of these other things too. He is the Holy Spirit's interceding. So is Jesus. That just shows that God's love is, is pummeling you every day. It's after you. Right? Surely, I remember, uh, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. That might be, I don't know if that's King James or if that's, it's me in the, uh, in Psalm 23. Um, but someone said that word um, follow is probably better pursue. God's love's pursuing us. And I, I think I've shared this before. Dwight Gertzen mixed that up when we were probably eight in, uh, in Bible school one time and said, surely Gertzen is following us all the days of our life. And, and Shirley Gerson was this lady at church, and I thought, ooh, that's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary. Shirley is kind of not a bad lady, but they mix it up. But it's not Shirley goodness and mercy will follow us. It's pursuing us. It's, it's just pummeling us day in and day out and day in and day out. And you cannot escape it. Not that you would want to, 
But, but bathe in that love, right? Shouldn't we just live so much more? And Grant, I love what you're saying. If we have these things in the back of our mind or better yet, the front of our mind, we are ready to face whatever the day holds. And those days are completely uncertain in how big of the trials are going to be. But what's certain is, is that God's there interceding through what Grant just said, the Holy Spirit who lives in you, Jesus who lives in heaven, both of them are part of the Trinity, knowing God perfectly because they are God, God's will will happen. God's will will absolutely happen in your life, whatever that is. And so that's what, and, and in Mark's, like for instance, Mark's sermon today um, on divorce. Like if sometimes if there's ever a temptation to say, hey, wait a second, did I marry the right woman or did I marry the right guy? You, like Vody Bauckham said, you look at your finger and you say, well, what did God do already? And then that's what I'm taking to be God's will, right? That's what happened in the past. Now, is sin God's will? No, no, it's not. But does God orchestrate it together for good? What did Joseph say? What you men meant for evil? What you rotten brothers meant for evil? What? God meant it for good. So God even uses sin, not no excuse for sin. We'll get into that next week. He even uses every single event in our life. There isn't anything that God doesn't use to make us more like Jesus. What great news to think about. Other, other thoughts from 26 or 27 here. I, I feel like there's just so, the news is so good, it's hard to even think about or communicate completely. I do two, two quick things while Grant was thinking over there. Um, one guy just said, in your groaning and perplexity, you are being understood. But another guy, I'm paraphrasing, he said, one day all our groanings will be replaced by glory. And I thought that's so, to tie it into the, the previous one, like glory is coming, the groanings are done, we're with the Father. Like there's no perplexity then, like, Again, the, even to help us get our minds on the glory to come, this groaning is temporary. Yeah. Great. Okay. You need a little. How more about time. you, Josh? <laughs> I think. Well, maybe I can just. I was thinking about this a little bit, and in terms of application, I think it's been well covered already. But um, I, I'm just thinking about one of the privileges we have as adopted sons and daughters is we now have this privilege or the ministry of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us is interceding on our behalf, you know, and um, I think just listening to you guys on the panelists even helped me to recognize what a privilege it is that, you know, we don't have to despair. Um, we don't have to uh, worry about or when our prayers are not perfect because there is the perfect ministry of the Spirit interceding on our behalf. Mm -hmm. For any of us that have had children and you know, Kevin, I know you would say this. What is it? We love our children so much. I would want to do anything good for my children. Anything bad, I don't want to happen to my children. Like in a way that is just, and for those of you that have yet to have kids, you know that from your parents. They hover over you, right? And you're like, it's like, mom, quit it. Right? Back off. Sometimes is what we want to, we want to say. But what do they, they just love, but they don't know how to love perfectly. Right? I don't know exactly what my, my kids need. But this is a whole different level 
of love because it's perfect love. It's always right. It's always going to be just what we need. Sometimes it's tough love, right? We're guaranteed that the God's going to discipline us when we need it. And it's going to be perfect. And the Holy Spirit will pray for that. And then God will do that, whatever is needed. And that's part of all things working together for good. So I don't think we ever need to question what happens tomorrow. Like, wait a second. Did somehow God lose control? He didn't. You know, and, and there's never a time where these things don't come into play. So I think that's why these have become my seven favorite verses. If you're talking about consecutive ones, just because it's so applicable to everyday life and changing and brings such joy to life. Grant, when you were talking um, about praying, I have one more quick story. I was almost... I've wrecked my van a lot, but this time I uh, was in Tennessee. Jim Workentine was driving behind me. We were driving from Nebraska to Columbia Bible College, where I went. We're talking probably 1990, I think, 89 maybe, and uh, and I fell asleep. So while I'm driving, and so my hand controls worked, I hold the little tri bar at about a five o'clock position. Well, it's 5 o'clock when I'm awake, but it's about 6 o'clock when I'm asleep because my hand doesn't know what's going on. So my hand kind of goes to 6 o'clock, so I get off like under the shoulder and then to kind of the white rock past the shoulder before I wake up. And I wake up and a bridge is coming really quickly right toward my van. And my first thought is, I am going to have an in less than a second because I knew it wasn't going to take a second before I rammed directly into this like bridge which had some sort of a river underneath it or whatever so and Jim Workentine driving behind me in his black Camaro all he has time to pray he says is Lord 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 that's what he said he sees me going off toward Jones's and and he's just prays really quickly. All I had time to do was like swing the wheel like that. And that's about what it was like. I mean, I woke up, saw that I was going to heaven, swung the wheel, and I got back on the interstate. As crazy as that is, I would love a reenactment by not this afternoon. But I would love to see what really happened and how God... But, that's not much of a prayer, really. It was like the little guy, help. I, I helped my brother. And uh, and that's what Jim did. God answered for whatever reason and in an affirmative. Could I, I mean, if it's up to me, I'm in heaven right then because of my bad sleeping issues while driving. But God has different ideas and answers those prayers. So, I just hope that's an encouragement. I hope it helps us to pray. I hope we can pray with a greater freedom. I hope that uh, we don't ever say, well, I'm not going to pray because I don't really know what to say. That doesn't make any difference. Go to him and, uh, and trust that he will work it out perfectly because he's guaranteed to, promise to, and that's what we're camping on next week, which we're going to dissect, Lord willing, uh, Romans 8, 28, and it is a great 
once we get through each word there in 28, I think it'll be a huge encouragement uh, next week. Scott, would you pray for us? Sure. Heavenly Father, we're thankful once again to be able to gather here and to discuss uh, this amazing chapter in the Bible, Romans 8. Uh, and Father, as we think about just these two little verses, uh, what an encouragement they are to us. Uh, yes, prayer is, is recognizes our weakness, and this is weakness like profoundly weakened when we just don't know what to pray for, and we can be tempted to prayerlessness, but I pray that just the opposite would happen, uh, that we would be encouraged by this passage to pray. Uh, even when we don't know exactly what to pray, Father, I pray we'd come and camp in Romans 8, 28, I mean, Romans 8, 26 and 27, and we'd be encouraged that the Spirit helps us, that we're on the phone just saying, help, 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 and the Spirit comes and takes the phone and says, this is the situation, this is what needs to be done. So, Father, what an incredible encouragement this passage should be to us to pray, and Father, I pray that we would pray more in light of this passage. Father, I'm so thankful that uh, you answered that prayer in the affirmative for Jerry, that Jerry's here and impacting us all so much, and so so thankful that you answered that and kept him from heaven for just a little while longer. We pray he has many more years here with us, and we look forward to next Sunday uh, for a tremendous passage, Jerry's life verse coming up, and pray that you'd be at work in the service uh, through Greg, through the singing, uh, through Mark's teaching uh, from Matthew. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a great week. You will have a great week.